Good morning. It's great to see all of you here. I'm, I know some of you personally, and I, there's several more of you that I don't know. And so it's fun to, to come and be here with you. I, I'm very familiar with Church in the Valley in Diamond Bar, but this is the first time I've ever been to Church in the Valley in Alhambra. And so it's really a privilege. I've been looking forward to this. I've been excited to come. And so I, I'm glad you are here. As you heard from, from your pastor, Alex, I pastor a church in Riverside. He's actually speaking at my church this morning. Uh, I, I saw him this morning. We were able to kind of high-five each other. He, he arrived in Riverside, and, and I greeted him and then drove off to, to be here with all of you. And so I'm not originally from Southern California. I was born in Northern California. I was born in San Jose. And then uh, my folks moved uh, when I was still you know, under two up to Sonoma. And so lived in the Bay Area, Northern California. And then I was raised most of the part in uh, the Central Coast, in Pismo Beach. And so uh, graduated high school from Arroyo Grande High School in the Pismo Beach area, so along our coast. And lived there uh, and really enjoyed living there. It was a nice, cool climate there. And I had probably hoped to live there all my life because you're you know near the beach and everything. But uh, I grew up playing in the ocean, swimming just enjoying the the ocean with a lot of my friends. I grew up playing a lot of sports. And so talking about teaming together has been a lot of fun because I teamed up a lot of, you know, during childhood, I played baseball, played, you you won't believe it, but I did play basketball. I have a trophy to prove that, but (laughs) my, my kids find that trophy amusing, but uh, played soccer. And then by the time I got to high school, I kind of zeroed in on more individual sports. So I wrestled in high school. I played tennis in high school, which was a really unusual combination. Uh, wrestling and tennis are very different sports. It attracts different people. I felt like I was a mediator between two, two groups trying to get people to get along. If I tried to introduce my friends, it didn't work well. But uh, I had hoped to, to compete in sports beyond high school. Um, and I was able to do that. I, I played tennis at California Baptist University. It's a small Baptist uh, college in Riverside, and so that's how I landed in Riverside, moving from the coast after I graduated high school. And as a freshman, even though I was raised in a church, I arrived there at, at Cal Baptist without really having much interest in walking with God. Uh, I, I became aware in my freshman year that I really needed Him. I could see there was a difference. I started meeting people on my campus who whose faith was real and the relationship with Jesus was real. And I, I knew all about that, but it wasn't real for me. And so within about three months of being there, I, I was ready to make a shift. I was ready to make Christ the boss of my life. And, and that decision changed uh, the, the whole direction of my life. And it shaped my future. And in my junior year, I met my, uh, my wife. Um, we, I told her, she, you know, that she was the person I wanted to marry on my first date, I told her that. <laughs> and it worked out, apparently. So, <laughs> Married her when I was 21. I waited till I graduated college, and she had a year to go. And we've been married for 18 years. We have three kids. Here's a picture of our, a recent family picture of, of my family. And last week I was speaking at, at a church in our network called Seabreeze Church, and I was wearing the same shirt <laughs> as the photo. So I made sure to change my shirt this weekend and be here in something different. But after college, my plan, or at least my hope for my plan, was to move back to the coast, a cooler climate, 
uh, you know, thinking probably my wife is from Northern California, from San Jose. And so I wanted to either live along the coast or up in Northern California. Uh, but during our first year of marriage, we got connected to Church in the Valley in Diamond Bar and started learning there, started training there under Pastor Randy Lanthrop. And I was interested at that point, uh, even at 21, at, in church planting. I wanted to learn about how, how would you plant a church. And so I was uh, learning all I could from the leaders at Church in the Valley. And at 21, I knew I needed a lot more training before I could just launch out and try to start a church. And so uh, I found a job in, in the area. I worked in sales through most of my 20s. And when I was 27... Uh, Pastor Randy in, in Diamond Bar, he invited me to join his staff as one of their pastors. And so it, it opened up a, another key uh, season of, of learning. And then at age 29, uh, I'd been there for at Church in the Valley for uh, seven years. And I sensed God was, was wrapping up our time there in Diamond Bar. And sensed that he was leading us to, to launch out and plant a church. And so that was something that had been on my heart for many, many years. It was always our desire to take what we had learned at Church in the Valley, to take the mission and the values that really had shaped our lives, and to try to reproduce that in a different place and so that other people could experience a church that was really on mission and that lived by certain values. And so the Lord led us to plant our lives back in Riverside to move back to Riverside into a neighborhood called Orange Crest. And so uh, it's a newer housing development in our city, lots of young families. We moved with a team from Church in the Valley and Diamond Bar. And so here's a picture of our of our launch team. And so you, you may know some of them. Some of you interacted with them. Um, but this team was made up of seven of us adults. And at that time five kids and so now this uh there's more kids and the the real muscly man here in the middle he's he's married he found a wife and and uh he's married now and so all of these folks are still a part of our congregation it's been nearly 10 years since we launched our church and it's been really exciting to see what god has done we have two services on sunday mornings and so brought a video to show you just a brief glimpse of of our church
So that's that's a glimpse of our church. And way back in April, uh, your pastor, uh, Alex and Randy from Church in the Valley Dime Bar and another pastor, Bevan Unruh, who spoke here last week and myself, we gathered together in this uh, in this meeting at, at our church office and we started planning out what would become the Teaming Together series. And we wanted to talk together about what the power and potential is uh, for churches as we team together. Uh, first, starting with, you know, what, what are you trying to accomplish here in your congregation? But then how, how has God wired us together, given us a common set of values that we can uh, even have greater impact together? And so I've been excited to be a part of this. Through the years, I've really enjoyed uh, interacting with, with your pastor. Alex and I have known each other since college. I graduated college the year that he entered college, and so we've known each other for uh, quite quite a long time. And uh, one of the things that I've really valued with Alex is his his loyalty. He's extremely loyal, and he's extremely uh, teachable. And his heart to train and to remain teachable through his 20s, uh, God has really used. And he had all sorts of opportunities in his early 20s to launch into ministry right away. And he, he held off and, and realized he needed more training. And I've always admired his focus on that, just remaining teachable. He has some natural giftings. And rather than just um, wanting to exalt himself too quickly, he's really taken a humble place. And so I've seen him put the interests of others, other leaders, other churches really ahead of his own. And so Alex adds a joy uh, to every group that I've really been a part of. And so I'm excited to see the church that he's really been investing in. And so I'm excited to be here. Two weeks ago, we started this series. And I don't know if when we began planning for this message series that we realized it would it would land in, uh, you know, in the middle of the World Series. Now the World Series is over. And this is kind of a, you know, I, I would imagine for many of you a, a disappointing season. And... Uh, uh, it was a great season. It was just a horrible postseason for, well, no, it wasn't even a horrible postseason. It was a great postseason until the end. Um, but I know many of you are still recovering from that. Now, I, I am, I'm the furthest from a Dodgers fan that you could be. Think of where I was raised. So, um, But I haven't come to be an enemy with any of you here. I have, I, I, as a Giants fan, I, I have a heart. And... And I really took to heart the words, there's a time to be silent and a time to speak. And so I realized it was a time to be silent. And, and when I was watching the, the final games, I was just, my heart, I mean, and I, there are Giants fans without hearts, just as there are Dodger fans without hearts. But I'm one with a heart. And, and I was watching those games and I was, I was literally disappointed because the, the Dodgers played a great season. The Giants had the absolute worst record in baseball, my team did. And, and and the Dodgers had you know the greatest record in baseball. They played like a team, and I, I honestly could say you know go Dodgers. No, not really. I wouldn't say it, but in inside I could I could say that. And um, I was disappointed for all of you in that in that. So when it when it comes to baseball though, at e- at each level of baseball play, there there is a there's a team celebration. There's a, there's a party if you win. If you're a young little league. Uh, athlete, and you go all the way, there's a huge celebration. I brought a picture of the Japanese World Series Little League champions, okay? Now, this team from Japan, uh, they, they, they beat the, the best team in the United States, which was from Texas, and so they, they've got that claim to be 
you know, literally around the world, they're the best for under 12. And so that's quite an accomplishment. So you can imagine there's a huge celebration. Now, in high school, uh, higher level play, if you become, let's say, a CIF California, you know, champion for your section, uh, again, that's, that's a huge celebration. Here's a picture of the El Toro High School baseball team. This is the 2017 high school uh, CIF Southern Section champs. I mean, you know, think about how proud they must be, you know, and just to know that they'll, they'll never forget the time when they were the best in the area, the best in Southern California, even higher level, though, in college baseball, much higher level of play, huge accomplishment. So you can only imagine the celebration. Here's a picture of the University of Florida 2017 College World Series champs. I mean, again, imagine if you were part of that team, you, you'll be telling stories about that to everyone. People would be tired of the stories, you know, but you were part of that team. You know, and then last week, wrapping up one of the most exciting back and forth battles for major league, you know, players, the Astros, they got to claim that title. I'm not going to show pictures of that because I don't, again, I'm not here to do that. So here's last year's champions. <laughs> last year's champs, the Chicago Cubs. Okay, Chicago Cubs. Now, who was excited for the Cubs last year? Was anybody? I mean, after 108 years of a drought, the Chicago Cubs took the World Series. It was an amazing seven-game series. Now, has anyone ever attended a championship team parade? I mean, I would imagine some of you probably have because you're so close. You know, you're right here in L.A. So some of you have seen a team parade? Just to show hands real quick again. There's a couple, okay? Championship team parade. That's Well, here's the parade from Chicago last year. Look at this picture. An estimated... Five million showed up to the Cubs parade. Five million. Now, this must have been thrilling. I mean, how exciting. This parade, it gave the Cubs a chance to bring that you know, sought-after commissioner's trophy back to their hometown fans, bring it back to Chicago. Imagine the rush just to be there with all of those people. I mean, these athletes, they play typically in front of tens of thousands of people. And that's got to be exciting when you, you do something, you know, you get a hit, you get a home run, to hear tens of thousands cheering for you. Now imagine five million people cheering. I mean, just that must have been a thrill. Now, did you, did you know there is a victory parade referred to in the Bible? It's not tied to athletic competition. It's, it's connected to a to a cosmic battle. And I want to look at that this morning. In order to really understand the victory parade, the celebration, then we need to really know more about the, the battle and the teams involved in the battle. So you, you can pull out that listening guide that, that's there in your program. Now, in, in a spiritual sense, at the very highest level, there are really only two teams in a spiritual sense. There really are, are just two teams. On the one side, we have the world's team, and on the other side, you, you have God's team. And, you know, two weeks ago, we started this series and we talked at our different churches about some of the different elements of being a part of God's team. How do you become part of the team? How do you, what are the personal contributions you can make? What's the mission of the team? And so if you missed those kind of the, the launch message, you can check it out on, on your church's website. But today I want to look deeper into these issues. The first is this. The Bible describes the world's team as people without hope. This is the way the Bible describes. Now, I used to play for that team. In fact, at one point, uh, you did as well. And, and 
maybe you still identify with that team, or maybe you don't. Maybe you said, no, I, I, I don't identify with the world's team anymore, and I'm, I'm, I'm part of God's team. And so, but in the Bible, here, here's what we read about the world's team. I want to look at Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 5. It, it reads, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins. Now, this is written to a group of people who had become Christians in, in modern-day Turkey. This is a church in, in Ephesus. And Paul, he writes, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You've, you'd crossed God's boundary line. You're going your own way in life. You, you were like literally, Paul's writing, you were like living corpses. It says in verse 2, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Now, this was written by Paul. Paul is a first century church leader, and he's saying, he's saying to the church, he's saying, all of us, he's, he's including himself, all of us, like the rest, we were. Paul's basically saying, look, that was me, and that's, Ephesus, you know, Christian, that, that was all of you. In fact, the world's team, this team is the, is the one that we automatically become a part of when we arrive on this planet. Since, since the fall of Adam and Eve, all humanity really lives in a broken condition, in a broken state, really without hope. The, the world's team is described, just to break this down a little further, it's, it's those who are dead in sin, okay, you get that there in Ephesians 2, verse 1. The, the, the picture that's really painted here is that we are physically alive, but we're spiritually dead. Following the ways of this world, so you know, going a totally different direction than God would have us go. Being led by God's enemy, that's Ephesians 2, 2. Ephesians 2, 3, is, hey, we're heading towards judgment. We're, we find ourselves under God's wrath, which means that a horrible future awaits slaves to sin you see you see the reference there in verse 3 all of us also you know it says that we were following or gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature so there's a there's this pull on us that we can't break naturally gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature in Romans 6:20 it actually says we were slaves to sin Basically, you and I, in our natural state, we don't have the power to live for God's ways. We, we can't pull that off. Our default is set to sin, is basically the idea here. We're enemies of God. Romans 5.10 you know, talks about we're, we're, we were opposed to God. So this, this description of the world's team, it's a pretty hopeless predicament. And if this was a ball team, like a baseball team... It would be like those ball games that seem totally impossible to turn around. And so it's right when everyone just decides, oh, I'm turning the TV off. Like, there's just no hope. I'm leaving the stadium. I'm driving home early because there's no hope. Because there's some situations that just there's no coming back from. But that, you know, is when things changed. God brought in someone who turned the battle around and he, he got the save. And I want to look at verse 4 because it doesn't stop there. It says, and we see in verse 4, God, He's offering hope. And many of you here in this room, you've already experienced 
you've already experienced what we're going to look at. And if you haven't, I want you to know this is available to you. Even today, this is available. A fresh start. Ephesians 2.4 says, Because of God's great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you've been saved. Just, just when it looked like the game was totally over and there was no hope, the Son of God, He stepped into our world He paid the penalty for our sin and our rebellion, and He rescued us from life and eternity without Him. And then a new team emerged. So now you have God's team. God's team is made up of people who found life. People who found life. And God's team is described in this way. It's those who are brought to life. And raised to life. Christ's death paid our penalty and His resurrection brings us, it brings us new life in Him. So we no longer live just for ourselves. Now, you know, we're, we're, we're saved from that. We're saved only by God's grace, though. We, we deserve nothing. But we've been brought to life. He's raised us to life. Also, Jesus is, is Master. For those that are part of God's team, Jesus is the boss. They're no longer a slave to sin. No longer held captive by our desires. It said, you know, before we were gratifying the, the cravings. We're no longer held captive in the same way. Our heart and our desires are now drawn towards the ways of God's kingdom. Now, there's still a war that we face, but there's um, a new impulse. We actually are drawn towards the, the things of God as well. And so, we're a friend of God. We were enemies before. Now, now we're, we are, can be friends with God. We're no longer alienated. And so, what's happened here in this passage is you see that for a Christ follower, Paul is saying, look, this is who you were. You were dead and God raised you to life and He has literally flipped your world upside down. Now enemies and foes have become followers. And it's this amazing paradox that we see that sparks a victory parade that marches through time. It doesn't march through streets. It marches through time in the victory parade. And people that we wouldn't expect to be in this type of parade have joined up. And so when we gather on a Sunday like this, it's, it's, it's a visible glimpse of the victory parade. It's just one visible glimpse, but it is a glimpse of that. Now, as far as parades, I don't know how many of you have been to many town parades, city parades. I've not been to too many. Uh, this summer I was in the Rocky Mountains in Colorado, and it was during Fourth of July, and so... We found out there's the big 4th of July parade, and so our family went. We sat on the curb like everyone else in town did. It was great. We had a great time. And there was, there was people there I expected to see. You had the firemen. You had the mayor. You had the school teachers. You had uh, people that had served in the military. You had the marching band. Um, but then there was some unexpected, um, I wouldn't call them parade crashers because they were, li- they were in the parade, but they were parade participants that I, I didn't expect to be in the parade. There was one guy. You know, the parade participants had a number or somebody kind of announcing, because I'm sure there was a, a judge of, of, you know, how well they did. But so this one guy, he was in a lowered um, 1990s era Chevy Suburban with a really good sound system. And I'm not sure what his role was, but he just sat low and he bumped his sound system as he drove by. And he had a number on the side of his car. I thought, there you go. <laughs> well done. <laughs> and, and there were other people there that I, that I thought, now that's an unusual you know, entry into the parade. 
Because I was a little confused. Because typically, major victories culminate in a parade. Usually, it's the victory that you're celebrating. Now, that guy probably saved for that sound system a long time, and that was the major victory. He's like, it's done, it's finished. But there's a scene in the Bible of a victory parade. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. It's, it's made up of people who have decided to follow Jesus and to take their place in this long line of all those who've come before them and then will go after them. And so here's a description of the parade. This is also written by Paul, formerly an enemy. In fact, Paul was a leader on the opposing team. He had a bitter hatred towards Christ. He had a bitter hatred towards Christians. But Paul met Jesus. Jesus flipped his world upside down. And so he writes this. He writes in 2 Corinthians 2.14, Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. Now long before athletic parades like we see on the TV today, was the victory parade where a conquering general, he would lead his troops through the cities after major victories were won. And in the processional was enemy prisoners who were forced to march uh, behind that general. And so that's the picture that Paul is picking up here in Second Corinthians chapter 2. It's of a Roman victory parade. But in this parade, Christ, he's at the head of the parade. Christ is at the head. And Paul who is once a former enemy, is now in the parade. Because Paul writes, who always leads us. So he actually sees himself in the procession marching. Okay, And if you're in Christ, meaning if you've already become a Christ follower, then this is really a picture of how Christ has led you out of bondage and out of captivity. He's led you out of prison. He's rescued you from spiritual death and bondage. And he, you've yielded your life to him. He's now the boss and he's now leading your life and you're moving in a totally different direction. And that may be brand new. It may be that you've recently committed your life to Christ and he really has flipped your world upside down. But you aren't just like hopping onto a float, uh, waving hands at people and throwing candy at them like a typical parade. Uh, everything in this victory parade, this in a spiritual sense, it has it has a real purpose. And so if you look at the verse, our role is this. It's to spread everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. And with, with these military victory parades, uh, there would be these incense bearers who would walk alongside the leader so that this fragrant incense, this aroma, would hit the crowd at just the right time. And everyone knew that the leader was passing, so they would, they would turn and look. Because the point of it was the incense bearers, uh, they were to point people Not towards themselves, but towards the leader. And so in our case, if you find yourself a Christian, if you're if you're in Christ, then then you and and I, we're like those incense bearers. We're to both spread the aroma and we're to be the aroma through our lives. And it's really as you live out the ways of God's kingdom in this world, what happens is people notice you you live differently. And it's like that sweet aroma. And they something's different about this. And they, they they. they pay attention. They see what, what is different about this individual. It, again, it points people towards our leader. If you live out God's kingdom culture in this in this congregation, in this church family, again, that's like that sweet fragrant aroma. It points people to Christ. If you share the message of Jesus with others, people in this world, they're drawn to Christ. 
And actually, one of the most exciting parts of this life, I think, is is being realizing that we're in this parade. We're in this victory parade and we have a part to play in helping others to be a part of the, the team. And so no, notice how this celebration is occurring out in the world. It says it's spreading everywhere. So Sundays are not the only place where there's the parade. I mean, honestly, wherever you go, if you're in Christ, you are you're spreading everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. And so at our church in Riverside, and I'm sure here as well, you know, we want our people to be living on mission purposefully in, in their in their city where they've where they've been placed. And so uh, here's a quick but basic flow on, on how this works. How do you spread everywhere the knowledge of the fragrance of him or the fragrance of the knowledge of him? Basically, you share Jesus with others in this is not in the. Uh, not always in this order, but generally it looks like this. You meet someone, you meet a non-Christian. Someone who's not following Christ, and maybe that's a friend of yours, maybe it's a co-worker, maybe it's somebody that you know from school, a classmate, maybe it's somebody through sports, could be a neighbor. But you meet, you meet someone, and you identify, okay, I don't think this person follows Christ. Then you begin to invest. You begin to invest time in them. Showing God's love through care, through service. A lot of times, as I'm getting to know people in my world, I just recognize, here's a need I can meet. I have a truck, which means I can meet a lot of needs. Uh, there's moves that come up all the time. And so, if friends of mine that I've gotten to know have a need like that, and I can, I can meet that need, that's, again, it's, it's investing in them. It's serving them. It's making time for them. It's listening to them. It's, it's looking for practical ways to show God's love to people. But meeting people and investing in them really isn't enough. You, you have to take the risk and actually invite. And so you invite to things like this. You invite to your church. You invite to maybe something like an event that your church is putting on, a men's event, a women's event. And then you begin to include. You include. You introduce them to your circle of relationships. Because it takes a team. Anytime somebody comes to Christ, it, it took a team. It wasn't just... It was your one responsibility to see a person come to know Jesus. No, it's, it's a team. We team together. And you help people find ways to get involved, find ways to serve. Uh, two, two things often help at this stage when a person who's, who's not a Christ follower checks out a church. Two things really matter. One is relationships and another one is responsibilities. Uh, people want to, they want to connect and they want, they want to be able to contribute and, and be a part of what's happening. And usually within, without these two things, relationships and responsibilities within, without these, within about two months, people tend to drift, drift away from church. And so it's, it's our role to really be, again, meeting, investing, inviting, including like, how, how can we include more people in what God is doing in our church? And then, and then share, share and clarify. This is so critical because all of us need to have a real clear understanding of what does it mean to be a Christ follower. Oftentimes we're just too afraid to ask or we're too embarrassed to ask. But people need a, to have a clear understanding of, one, their need for God. Two, what God has done to meet that need in Christ. And then how does Jesus really define following him? What does it look like if I follow Jesus with my life? And so this flow is really... How you and I can spread everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. The, the passage goes on. Paul continues. Verse 15 reads, For we are to God the aroma of Christ amongst those who are being saved and those who are perishing. So what happens is this parade and this fragrant aroma, it impacts people. Look at verse 16. It says, To the one 
we are the smell of death. To the other, the fragrance of life. So it's like the fragrance hits the crowds and it makes an impact. It divides people into two different groups. On the one hand, you have those that are moving towards God. And on the other, those who are moving away. And so to the one group, we smell like life. It's God uses us to lead other people to the abundant and eternal life. And, and really, when a church is focused on the right values and creating the right culture, those, those things that really matter to God, the things that are on God's heart, it's an attractive thing. It, it creates curiosity in people who are coming around. And the fragrance itself, it draws people in and gets people interested in, in, man, I wonder how this could change my life. It's clearly changing theirs. Now, sadly, the passage talks about the other side of things. To the other group, it says, we're the smell of death, Paul writes. In other words, our life and our message for this world really is a matter of of life and death. And so what this does is it challenges us as churches to really look at what is the impact that we're really having and really evaluate what is the scent that people pick up as they interact with us. So it challenges us. Verse 16 ends with a question. Here it is. The question is, who, who is equal to such a task? Basically, how did we get into this parade? It's not, it's not because we were equal to the task. It's only because we've lined up behind Christ. We're following Him, which is why Paul begins this whole thing with, with the declaration. He says, thanks be to God. And God did this. And so God, He created the possibility for us to be a part of His team in this way. And, and this, there's a lot of parades you could be in, but this is a parade that you really want to be in. It's a parade you, you want to be in. And it sure doesn't look like it right now, but one day it will. Right now, this great triumphal parade, it's pretty much hidden. It, it's, it's pretty much hidden. Although once in a while, like, like a Sunday morning in a church, you get visible glimpses of the parade you know, moving through time. But for the most part, it, it's, it's, it's pretty hidden. But the major win, though, that we celebrate, it's evangelism. Okay? The major win, the reason for the parade is, is evangelism. When people hear the good news of Jesus and respond in faith, when they follow Him, when they choose to get baptized and, and go public, and we celebrate with them and we cheer them on, you know, that, that's a major win. And for me, there's probably nothing more exciting than seeing people move from death to life. And every time I see a baptism, I'm reminded, because a baptism, it just shows a picture of a great spiritual reality. So the picture is this. I brought some, some baptism pictures. This is... A man from our church, Mario. And so the picture before you get baptized is, it's, I, I, was, I was dead. I was without hope. This is the old, the old nature. The sinful nature. And this is a picture of, of, who, of who we were. And then if you're in Christ, the next slide shows, Jesus paid my penalty and He was buried. So you see the death and the burial pictured in baptism. And then... The next slide, you know, Jesus arose and he has given me new life. You know, now this gal, both of this, uh, this guy previously, Mario, he came to Christ in our church a few years back. Uh, this gal came to Christ in February and this baptism was this, this year. What's interesting is um, tragedy struck um, Beth about... Uh, earlier on, 
about a month ago, I got a phone call midweek that Beth had been involved and shot in the Las Vegas shootings. And she she was alive and she was okay. She was going to pull through, but she was uh, recovering in the hospital uh, from uh, gunshot wounds from that uh, shooting. And, you know, in talking with her, and she, she recovered. She, she will fully recover. She was in church that next Sunday in a sling. Uh, you can bet people were, we were, I was looking at weekend at tragedy and walking through tragedy and and she just opened up with people and she's been processing all that she went through and and when i talked to her about it and and you know she said you know as as frightening as it was because she was one moment she was just enjoying the music with a friend of hers she had traveled over there with a girlfriend of hers and she said she heard the first pop what they thought was like a firecracker or something and and she looked at her friend and said that's childish you know and then the next moment she you know she started going down and her friend caught her and then between um you know between bullets her friend and some others drug her out of there and got her to safety and able to apply pressure on her wounds but she said you know when i was sitting there uh, wondering if i was going to make it she she said i had a peace that i didn't have before in my life and uh, and so she, you know, God will use that in her life. Um, and she says, you know, I'm going through this and my life is just so different. Like I, I had settled some things with God before before any of this stuff happened. And and and. And maybe for you and certainly for me, I, I can I can think back and remember how great I'm just very grateful. I myself remember and well up in gratitude that that the Lord has saved me um, and that gratitude for me, it motivates uh, my involvement. It motivates our gratitude, motivates our participation in, in church life and in ministry. And that's what I, I see with that gal, Beth, or even Mario, the, the guy previously, who he's a man. He's got three daughters. He's, a, he's him and his wife have three little girls. You, and he's the gentlest guy. The picture, you know, you wouldn't think he's the gentlest guy. He's a very gentle guy. Uh, but he has a purpose for living. And he has gratitude because he can remember back to. Who, who he was and what God has done in reshaping his life. And his, his gratitude motivates his participation in church life as well. And that's what it does. What a thrill to participate in this. Here's another picture of, of a baptism from our church. And, you know, it's thrilling to see life change. And it, keeps, it keeps us motivated when we see what we're a part of, this victory parade that we're a part of. Today at our church in Riverside, we're having a baptism. I'm going to miss it. And um, my kids, my wife and kids would have been here today, but uh, a couple of my kids' friends are getting baptized this morning. And so, um, so I said, well, why don't you guys stay, take good video so I can, I can see, um, see everything later on this afternoon. But it's thrilling to participate in what God is doing in our churches. Let me encourage you here at, at Church in the Valley. Every time someone trusts in Christ... It's through your participation that you, you got to be a part of that. It's through your participation. Because it, it's, always, it's always a team victory. It's, it's through your collective serving, through your collective singing together. When you unite your voice, when, when your, your you know, worship leader is leading you, it's when you sing out together. Uh, it's, it's through that. Uh, there's this unifying that's going on that you're part of the parade. You're part of the celebration. It's through your prayer. It's through your training. It's through... Sharing your life with others and investing time in them. 
you're participating. Now, I have one major regret when it comes to team parades and celebration. And it, it has to do with the Giants. So bear with me, Dodger fans. The Giants, my, my favorite team, they, they had a quite a streak going. They won the World Series in 2010, 2012, and 2014. And in 2014, I have the pendants up in my office for those, um, for those, for those victories. And in 2014, I was up in San Jose visiting family, and the Giants had won the World Series. And the parade was happening that weekend. And my brother-in-law, we were on the fence deciding, are we going to go to San Francisco to go see the, the parade? And we were going back and forth, and it was kind of like, uh, you, if you've been to San Francisco, it's, it's a nightmare. Traffic is a nightmare. Finding parking is a nightmare. And it's like, it's cold. I don't know how we're going to, I don't know if I have warm enough clothes. And I, I don't know if we'll find a parking spot. And, you know, probably, you know, hundreds of thousands will show up. And so we'll just, we'll just watch it from TV. What a disappointment, you know. What a regret. We both regretted it. We're watching it from the TV. This is lame. <laughs> we could have been there. We're less than an hour away. It was our chance to celebrate our team as world champions, and we, we missed it. And so I just challenge you. I challenge you with what God is doing here in your church to not miss out on being part of this celebration that occurs. Because you're a part of the victory parade of what God is doing you can take part in events. You can, you can unite your voices on Sundays. You can participate on Sundays. You can serve. You can contribute. You can be engaged when, when someone's teaching. You can stay engaged. You can make applications and think through, God, what do you want me to do with this? You can obey what he shows you. You can, you can be sharing your life and your faith. When there's a baptism, you can be cheering people on and saying, hey, you made an amazing decision. It's going to change your life. And I'm so excited that you chose to do that. Because there's nothing like, there's nothing like this. And so now's the time to invite people to join in this parade. And you have an opportunity to do that uh, here in your world. The people that God has placed you around. This opportunity right now, the people in your life, there will be a time when this opportunity will pass you by. And so don't, don't miss out. Let's, let's be that sweet, fragrant aroma to those around us, drawing them towards Christ. Because there's really an eternal impact through your teaming together here at Church in the Valley and an even greater impact as we team together as a network of churches to have greater impact as we try to be strategic in those ways. And so uh, as our worship team uh, comes back up to the stage, be encouraged. God is, God is using you. It is really encouraging for me to come and see uh, uh, your church family here. Again, I'd love to, to meet uh, you. And I know some of you already, but I'd love to say hi to you. And if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself, I want to wrap up by highlighting a few next steps couple of next steps. The first one is this. It's let gratitude motivate my participation on this team. Let your own personal gratitude motivate your participation. Meaning don't, don't forget what God did to rescue you. Don't forget what he's done in your life to bring you to this point. That, that keeps us motivated for sure. And then second, ask God to show me who in my world to reach out to. It's kind of like just praying, God, give me the spiritual eyes to see what you see. You, you see on a much different level, God, so help me to see who around me needs to hear about you, needs to know about you. And then finally, invite someone to Church in the Valley next week. The invitation, it could be something like this. You've been getting to know someone. Hey, I want you to meet the team of people that I run with. I want you to meet this team. 
And so come and see what we do on Sunday mornings. And so I want to pray and we'll we'll wrap up. Father, thank you for thank you for Church in the Valley and, and what you're doing here. Thank you for the lives and the families that are representative. Thank you for the life change that has gone on here and for the the courage and faith to start uh, this church in this area, Lord, to, to reach people who, who don't know you and who uh, you have placed this group around strategically to reach out to, to help lead to life. And so, God, we thank you for the opportunity to be here and to be part of it. I pray you'd encourage this group. God, you know exactly what they need, Lord. I pray you'd bring the encouragement that they need and provide the resources, Father, for them as they press on in joining you in your mission. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.